We've heard it all before, haven't we? Gary North is the enemy of science, progress, and reason. You know, if, if you go on a podcast that's dedicated to trashing me Nimmy. and Tom Woods and all of the people who have fucking gotten, like, thrown their support behind you, Nimmy's. that's not the time to go there and throw Gary North under the bus. Think about it. You're pooping at home every day. Why not treat yourself with a little respect? Your balls will thank you. The Figuratarians Podcast. Episode... 12. Prepare to set fire to the index card of Paleo Podcasters. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Fakertarians Podcast. Folks, if you're like me, one of the most demoralizing things is when someone utters the truth. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of the Fakertarians Podcast. I'm your host, John Hudak, along with Jeremy Kantorowitz and one of my sock accounts. Today we have on uh, Caitlin Cloven, the social media director for Spike Cohen. How are you doing today, Caitlin? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. What did you think of our new intro? I, I okay. I was cracking up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I was too, and I've I've already watched it like twenty before. times. Like I've never I've never watched your intro before. I don't I don't know if it was different, but like no, this was a new the, one. The Dave Smith shit was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so starting off, uh, tell us about how you got a pardon from Mark Zuckerberg holy shit okay so for those of you who don't know um about two three days ago now um i like my facebook account was completely deleted um i've never had a violation like i'm you know i'm a social media like marketer and consultant by like that's my job so i'm usually very very careful about what i post on social media like i'll get edgy sometimes and i shit post a lot but I never ever cross that line because i have so much of my career like tied into right. my facebook account um, so I've never had anything go against community standards, no warnings, no nothing. And then I was in the middle of watching the live stream of the debate and it logged me out and I couldn't get back in. It gave me no reason, just like your account has oh, been permanently God. disabled. You can appeal by submitting a photo of your driver's license. But I was like, I've verified my identity 25 different ways over the past three years. You, you know exactly who I am. <laughs> like I've done everything short of send in the blood sample. Like they know who I am. Right. Um, so I didn't have much hope. Um, I have a couple backup accounts. Um, I won't name them for privacy purposes, but uh, <laughs> I had some, I have some backup accounts and I got on one of those and 24 hours later, that one came down too. So I was pretty sure they were onto my IP address. So I didn't get into my other backups, um, which is because I, I didn't want to completely screw right. my chances of ever right. working again. So um, I had been in contact with the marketing firm that helps out with uh, Joe Jorgensen's campaign. Um, and I was also in touch with Joe Bishop Henchman um, and a few people from um, LP National because um, they were actually working to get some other people's accounts restored and that restored. And that's when mine came down. So I was like, hey, help me out here. Um, so I, um, yeah, I was emailing back and forth with the reps. And then all of a sudden my accounts came back. Like I was on the phone with somebody teaching them how to run ads since I couldn't do anything. And my phone started blowing up like you're back I'm like what <laughs> but then, like, about like an hour later i got an email back from the rep they're like yeah um so your accounts were removed erroneously um everything has been fully restored we apologize for the inconvenience I'm like what the fuck does erroneously mean like they didn't give a reason cross the keyboard press the wrong button like what what the fuck i i don't right. know like Classic something like this is what went wrong you know sorry about yeah. it. nothing right. just 
I got Facebook to admit their mistake. So that's, I think, as far as it will ever, ever go. And I count that as a win because they never, ever admit that they're wrong about anything. So I'll take it. At least my my career is back on track. I did lose all of my verifications, though. So that sucks. And I can't get them back. So I have to start all of the, you know, identity verifications, advertising verifications all over again. That'll take me two weeks to get back up in action. But at least I'm starting from square one instead of not being in the game at all. So I'll take it. Well, but yeah, I had to go through a lot of back channels for that. <laughs> Hard to do if you're not connected with Facebook at all. Makes right. sense. So yeah. you're Spike Cohen's social media manager. How'd you get that position and what's it been like working on his campaign? Oh boy, that is a long story. Okay, so um, some of you guys know Stephen Babka. Yep. His dad is Jim Babka and he's friends with um, the campaign manager for Joe Jorgensen, Steve Dosbach. Um they were looking for a social media director back in December, January. Uh, and Steven recommended me for the position because I've done social media marketing and consulting for a few years now. I'm pretty decent at what I do. Um, and I got in that way. So I've been working on Joe Jorgensen's campaign since um, January 1st, actually, is when I got in there. Um, so yeah, I was running all of her stuff pre-nomination. Um, it changed drastically when she got the nomination. Um, but yeah, like I was, I was working on Joe stuff until the very beginning of July. Uh, and then I was transferred over to Spike's team and they, they felt that my messaging better reflected Spike's messaging. Um, they felt that that was a better fit and that's totally cool. Um, like my, the performance on Joe's page, like she got propelled into the spotlight very, very quickly. Like her social stuff grew by like thousands of percent every day. Like it was astronomical growth. So they moved me over to Spike's side, kind of expecting that to happen again. So we've been experiencing like record growth um, on Spike stuff. The, the messaging is really great. Like we jive really well. Um, it didn't take long for us to get on the same page as far as like messaging and stuff like that goes. And just working for Spike is like the best job. Like I, I, I absolutely <laughs> love working for him. Not that I didn't love working for Joe's team. Like Joe's team's amazing people too. And the person who took over for me um, on Joe's side, like she's doing an amazing job as well. Like, it's just, it's a really fun campaign. There's a lot of different people on. Um, I was able to build my team um, with basically whoever I wanted because I went from a one-person team to 160 basically overnight after the nomination. So I had to pull in pretty much whoever I wanted. It was it was good. Nice. So, was, so what do you think the best and worst parts of managing social media for a campaign are? <laughs> well, Loaded um, question. yes, very. Uh, so... Man, it's kind of hard. So the worst part, I would say, is the constant changing of the game. Like, it, you know, community standards change, algorithms change, audiences change. Everything changes, like, daily, basically. So you have to adapt very, very quickly. You have to kind of have an eye for patterns when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like, you have to really have your finger on the pulse of it. Because if you're out of the game for even a month, it takes you a while to catch up and get back into it. Um you know, staying up on, you know, education, um, staying up on like all of the courses, Facebook offers courses. So um, you can take those and get better acquainted with their algorithms or backend systems, stuff like that. That's probably the most difficult um, is just staying up on everything. And then um, the best part is, I mean, it's kind of hard. Like I do a lot of like content curation and 
content marketing and things like that. So I really love coming up with the messaging and then watching my plans come to fruition and watching the growth come in and seeing like the stats and everything to back up my plans. And it's like, it just feels really fucking good, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, what, yeah. So I know like running political ads are just a pain in the butt. Um, we, we tried to run an ad for, for a podcast a couple weeks ago and I, I had to go through the entire verification process. And it didn't stuff. like my driver's license. Didn't like John's driver's license. And so, yeah, it was just, it was just crazy. Like what, what kind of challenges do you face? I mean, besides, you know, getting your account randomly deleted for no reason. Um, outside of that, what kind of other challenges do you um, sometimes face with running ads? Um, so the biggest challenge, I mean, besides like adapting to business manager on the back end, like ads manager, because it changes probably every week. Um, that's a big pain in the ass. Once, but like once you're verified, the biggest challenge is really just like adapting to your audiences and making sure that your targeting is on point and you're you're hitting the target audience with the right message that resonates with them. So a lot of like data mining and matching all that stuff up to like optimize your campaigns and make sure that they hit hard. That's the most challenging part of it. So like the actual marketing part. Um, like creating the ads, like that's all fun. And, you know, writing the copy, I'm not very good at writing copy, but I have people <laughs> who help me write copy, but like making sure like you have the right keywords to hit the right people and you're, you're splitting up your campaigns most effectively and spending your money where it's going to actually have a return. That's definitely the most challenging part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think I got a good one here. Um, so there's been a lot of naysayers about the campaign lately and, for, to me, it's just kind of witnessing the arc of the Libertarian Party and our our presidential candidates over the last 20 years or so, like just going back all the way to like, let's say like Harry Brown and then, you know, Barr and, you know, and all that, all that crap. It seems like to me, like we've got the most, like the, the absolute most um, consistently Libertarian candidates we've had in at least 20 years since Harry Brown. And I think it's actually messaging pretty well. And to me, it seems like more people are, are responding well to this. And I, I feel like, especially right now with so many people upset with the two major party candidates, like this is our time to shine. And it seems like the more radical messaging or the more consistent libertarian messaging is actually playing very well. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that as being part of the campaign. So it is much more radical than campaigns past. Um, you know, I think everyone's familiar with Gary Johnson's messaging strategy. Um, he was very charismatic and he, you know, he, he played well to his audiences and that was great. But when it came to like strong, you know, principled messaging, I think he fell short of it. Um, and that's just like my preference. It is what it is. Um, but with this campaign, like we've like from the get go, since I was running Joe's media, like right after nomination, like I wanted to hit like as radical as I possibly could to get on the scene and get people talking about us. And it really works. Like I started out with like eight, like abolish the ATF, which I don't remember any other presidential candidate starting right off the bat with that, but it got <laughs> a lot of two A activists behind us. And with two A activists comes a lot of people who make memes. So it kind of <laughs> built up our organic like grassroots base of memes and things like that. So there's a lot of like 
strategy that goes behind the messaging that people don't really understand when it, they're just like, they just see a tweet. They don't know really what goes in behind that. But um, besides like, you know, the ATF stuff, like we've hit really hard on um, social justice issues and tying that back to libertarianism. So I know the campaign's been getting a lot of shit for, you know, Black Lives Matter and a lot of the um, civil unrest that's going on and us talking about it. So what we kind of like to do is take language and buzzwords that are already out in the conversation, co-opt them, acknowledge people's concerns, and then flip this like flip the script. We have to turn it onto our talking points, present our solutions. But they're not going to pay attention to us if we're not out there with them saying, yes, your concerns are valid. Yes, the things you are going through, that's terrible. Here's what we want to do about it. So you have to validate those concerns. Um, I, I mean, there's there's definitely things that you can nitpick and you know pull out of certain tweets that have gone out and you know Facebook posts and things like that. There's There's always going to be times where you don't hit. But I think the thing that a lot of people don't understand or they don't see past is that not every message is for you specifically. Like we're playing to an audience of 330 million people in this country. Not everything that goes out is gonna be to your particular taste. You're not gonna agree with every single thing that comes out and that's fine. Like I don't agree with every single thing that comes out but that's cool because it's not for me. Um, and I think it, it's kind of weird. I don't know if this is particular to libertarians, but I've noticed that whenever libertarians don't agree with something, they think that nobody else agrees with it. They're like, well, I don't like this. So this is why nobody will vote for you. It's like, eh, I mean, you're just like one guy on Facebook. So I don't think you hold the <laughs> yeah, Dave, just one guy behind your opinion. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely things that have, that have happened during the campaign, but I mean, like, things happen, you know, it's, it, it's not going to be a hundred percent all the time. Um, you know, I, we, we all do our best. Um, I've, I've really, really liked the way that we've been going with spike stuff though. Like Joe has her audiences and then spike has his audience. And it's, I really like the dynamic they have, like the, it's kind of a divide and conquer approach they have. Mm -hmm. Um, so spike plays to millennials and disaffected voters and the youth really well. Um, BLM activists, the, redacted boys it, he plays really well across the board when it comes to younger audiences and that's that's kind of where we just focus our efforts so we we talk about the things that the kids are talking about you know i say kids because i'm almost 30 now and that kind of hurts to think about i get that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i still think of myself as like 23 um but yeah like i'm not a kid anymore but but he plays really well to those audiences you know we we can message to them and it hits really well. Um, so that's been really fun about working on the campaign. You know, we can talk about Black Lives Matter and we can talk about, um, you know, the riots and the, the everything that's going on right now. And we can still turn that into a productive conversation instead of just like, you know, trying to punch left or punch right. Like we're, we're out there actually talking about solutions and validating people's concerns and being empathetic with people that disagree with us. And it's really paid off. So we've gotten endorsements from two Black Lives Matter groups. And this wasn't even something that we had sought out. We just went to the events, we talked to them about our solutions and they're like, we can't vote for Biden, 
Biden, you know, wrote the crime bill. He he's not for our communities. I like what you're saying. We're giving you the endorsement. Um, and they, you know, they don't have to agree with every single thing. But if they believe in us enough on certain issues, we get their votes. And that's what a campaign is. It's about votes. It's about, you know, introducing people to the ideas that we have and bringing them in the door. So then in four years, they're activists for the next candidate. That's basically what it is. So. I thought we were just supposed to say they're all communists. Yeah, well, you know, that's different strokes, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that was a fantastic yeah. answer, and I'm really excited about two A and social justice kind of like morphing into the same issue. And I, I love that. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I've been a big fan of Spike's messaging myself. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of fun. Of it. Like right now, actually, we're doing like a huge series on healthcare and like solutions and stuff because everyone, you know, gives libertarian shit about our healthcare plans, but it's like if you actually get in there in the conversation and talk about the ideas that we have, like the actual solutions, not just like, yeah, grandma needs to die. Like we talk about like how to fix things and why things cost so much. We've been getting a lot of really good feedback on that. We, we, you know, I have all the analytics and stuff and it, it pulls people in and it, it keeps people in the party. It, it brings in new people. It's great. Like I, I really enjoy messaging for spike. Yeah. Okay. Um, on another topic. So sadly, we weren't able to get uh, Matt Kay on as, as a surprise guest today. But I know you've had some run-ins with him back when you were both at Dankertarians. I was there. I was around at the same time. Do you have any good Matt Kay stories you want to oh introduce? Gosh. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this, but like Matt Kay and I used to be really good friends. Um, like we, it was me, Matt Kay, Lonnie Dupree, and um josh smith this was way back in like 2017 so <laughs> such please, an interesting let's not, group let's not bring in current rhetoric like i yeah <laughs> it is a thing um but we were all like best friends you know vinnie marshall was on there um a, a few other people that have kind of come and gone throughout the years but that was our core group bo brown oh, i cannot believe i forgot bo brown but he was like one of the main admins as well um we started in like a shit posting group gary johnson's dink meme stash and then we went to a splinter group gary johnson's dink meme crew um, we splintered off again because of some crap that happened with the admin. That's, that's right around the time I came in and, uh, we decided to start a page and we were like, well, hell yeah, let's, you know, get out there and make more libertarians. We were all very fired up and naive and believed in the system. So <laughs> we started Dankertarians and it was just kind of like a meme page. And we were trying to work alongside of the LP without being actually affiliated, um, and that's kind of where I got my start in social media as well. But Matt Kay was one of our admins, and that was back when he was an ANCAP. Believe it or not, Matt Kay used to be an ANCAP, and you remember that. Oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he was solid. He was a great dude. Like, we were all really good friends. We talked every day. Like, you know, we, we confided in each other. And then I don't really know what the catalyst was, but I, I don't know. We started going after Liberty Hangout. And yep. I kind of advised against it because I was like, look, we're still a new page. So let's not, you know, start <laughs> fights everywhere. But, you know, he wanted to go start fights. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, I think that's kind of what started his descent into what he is now. Um, he's gone through, he changes his ideology more than he changes his underwear. So I, I don't really know what he is now. And that's, it is what it is. He's a tanky still. Oh, he, okay. Yeah. That makes sense, I guess. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, no, he went to ANCAP and then he started like dabbling in mutualism. And a lot of people say the split from Dinkertarians to think liberty was ideological. It was not. It was not because he decided to be a mutualist. We are like, that's fine. You can believe whatever you want. The problem is he was being so like confrontational about it. And he was going against like everything we decided as a team. Um, there was a lot of very personal things said. Um, he kind of went off the rails. He was a gigantic asshole. Like, um, like I, yeah, I, I don't really know what happened there, but any sort of semblance of friendship completely splintered. And then we were like, you know what, we're not going to deal with this anymore. So Lonnie, Josh, Vinny, and I split off and started Think Liberty. And we started that. And now we're up to like 82,000 followers or something like that. Um, But yeah, we kind of, you know, it was always about, you know, us being together and us being a team and doing the things we wanted to do. And we now think Liberty is kind of just like a shit posting page because we're all pretty disaffected with how things are going. And we're all anarchists now. We were not back then. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, barely a minarchist at that point. But yeah, no, I'm a... I, I went to ANCAP and now I'm like a market panarchist, I like to call myself. So nice. I like that. Yeah, I like to avoid the ANCAP label at all costs. Yeah, same here. They ruined yeah. it. I still use it, but there's there's some bad ones out there. Yeah, there really is. And like after I, st- I dropped the ANCAP label, I found that it was a lot easier to talk to people on the left and it was a lot easier to talk to other anarchists because they don't they didn't like write you off right away. I was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, a market panarchist. And I not like, I don't have like a deontological view of, you know, ethics and standards and things like that. And it's just, it's a lot easier to talk to people that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's agreed. That's what I've found as well. Yeah. I kind of had the same experience with Matt. Um, Right around that time when he was feuding with Liberty Hangout is kind of when I met him. Um, That's when Fakertarian started. Yes. It was me. Actually, a lot of the same people. It was me, Josh, Matt, Bo. I was um, I was an admin for a while. Yeah, that was that was. Fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I completely I was, forgot about that. OGs because yeah. Matt brought me on. <laughs> because like I I wanted to keep Dinkertarians clean. Like yeah. I wanted to keep that like the place that we did our activism, and then we could you know, fuck with Liberty Hangout on Fakertarians. So I was like, <laughs> like I absolutely want to go after Liberty Hangout. Just add me to this page so I can do so. So yeah, I was, I was OG. And then he left, he ended up, uh, I ended up splitting with him a few months afterwards because we were, he was, I don't know, he was hostile all the time. I mean, we'd kind of get into it and he eventually kicked, I think the deal was that I would get kicked off of Dankertarians, but I would take full control of Fakertarians or something like that. I don't remember the exact specifics, but. I remember that, yeah. That and then we cool. we went pretty hard against him during his uh, 2018 chair run. I made a petition to have the that LNC do something. One of the nastiest campaigns ever. Oh my like, god! I mean, not really the Matt side of it, but just like yeah. the chair race in 2018. Like holy shit! That made yeah, me that was bad. the LP. Like one of the reasons I hated the LP at the time, like it was because of that and like all the shit that happened and the way that people changed during all of that. So it kind of sucked, but I'm just I, glad that shit's over. No more <laughs> the elections till 2022. I'm not part of the LP like officially. Like I, I don't know. I'm yeah. thinking about getting involved with Ohio LP. Um, 
Chrissy Wickers and I are going to work on like a bunch of ballot initiatives and stuff and try and get decriminalization on the ballot here a lot. So I am going to most likely join the Ohio LP. I'm just not going to have anything to do with LNC crap ever again. I get that. <laughs> I'm probably in the same boat there because I, yeah. I was definitely involved. Checking rocks at it from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been doing that for the past year, year and a half. But like I said, this campaign's kind of brought me back in. Um, I found a lot of really good people that are fairly new to the party. Um, it's kind of renewed my, I guess, drive to want to help. But no more uh, ridiculous volunteer work for no thanks anymore. <laughs> so we like to ask this to our guests since it's been kind of an ongoing feud for us. So what are your thoughts on the Mises Caucus, which to be clear is definitely not a cult? Definitely not a cult, and don't ever bully podcasters. <laughs> yeah. well, we're podcasters um, now, so they can't they can't do anything. Yeah, true. They can't talk shit about you anymore. That's how that works. <laughs> I think they have to let me back in. Oh, they probably admin you if you get over a certain <laughs> Yeah. Um. So Mises Caracas thing is it's kind of convoluted. Um. I was actually like one of their founding members. Like I was asked to be part of their board. Um, very, very early on, like way before they were even doing anything. Um, I was helping them with like social media, stuff like that. Um, I, I really like their structure and I like the things that they want to accomplish, you know, helping down ballot candidates and fundraising and having the, the pack and all of this other kind of stuff, growing the party. I like that. Mm -hmm. I do not like a lot of the things that have come with it. I'm trying to be very diplomatic here. <laughs> I don't agree with going after people personally. I don't agree with um, being a raging asshole to everyone who doesn't agree with you 100%. I uh, really don't like some of the personalities that have come the last year or so. Um, I think that's been a net negative overall them um i i just i don't know like i completely broke everything off about a year or so ago whenever there was some things going down on the lnc and there was a lot of very big disagreements and like i understood all of you know both both sides of this but it, it seemed like a lot of people in the group was um overreacting to this and getting very personal with people's lives and i was like i can't i, I don't want anything to do with this anymore and since then it's kind of been a massive shit show so oh yeah, yeah. it's gotten worse like I'm, uh, overall not a huge fan <laughs> like i left in late february or so and i already mm -hmm. saw it was kind of going down the tube yeah, you a little bit like ridiculous. Months after i did like you remember all that shit that went down that yeah i, I know what you're, i think i know what you're talking about i remember the i remember when you left but i was like a a moderator there they invited me to all the leadership meetings and all that and eventually yeah. i just I just couldn't take it anymore. And since then it's gotten, it's kind of turned into like a cult of personality. Like the, that uh, Dave video from our intro, um, that was when Dave Smith was mad that Josh Smith uh, came on our podcast. And Josh was, at, was actually like arguing with us for most of the podcast, but he said, he said some not nice things about Gary North and Dave wasn't very thrilled about that. But it's, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of turned into like a, 
like a cult of personality there with the with the podcasters, especially with how the podcasters are the ones bringing in the new people. So the new people are even like I'll see some of the leadership like arguing with the other people, but they're like just overrun with the new people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what happens war. when you tie your caucus to people who are not invested in why you founded it. So. Yeah. Okay. What else do we got on here? All about podcasters and right wing culture we- grifting. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right wing culture war grifting. So, what are your thoughts on bottom unity and getting right and left libertarians to unite under a common banner of ending authoritarianism? Absolutely, one hundred percent for it. Um, I'm, I'm actually like really like gung ho about bottom unity. Like, I used to be like a I wouldn't say far right because that has really bad connotations. I like I was a hardcore ANCAP. Um, mm-hmm. I I kind of jumped on the bandwagon of like the commie jokes and all that, but you actually like talk to these people and you all have the same concerns. You all want to, you know, draw back government. You have different, you know, end destinations. Like you have different, you know, ethical standards, you have different economic systems, but once you kind of break out of the my way or the highway thing, like you, you can coexist with all of these different ideologies and nobody has to, like, it's, it doesn't have to be an ideological war. It doesn't like we have so far to go before we even have to worry about mutualism versus ancom versus ancat. It doesn't matter. Um, so we want to, you know, pull back government control, like from the top all the way down to the bottom, and then we can kind of, you know, we don't even have to fight at that point. Like we can just be like, okay, you do ancom over here, I'll do ancap over here, and you know, market panarchists can go wherever they want. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter. There's always going to be economic systems that are competing there's always going to be ethical standards that compete you see that in the world today you have these different competing systems all over the world um so that's just how it's going to be so like why fight why worry about you know ancomistan versus ancapistan doesn't matter it's all made up bullshit that we divide ourselves by and it it none of it matters like the the government is literally genociding people why do we care what the ANCOMs think? It, right. it doesn't like matter at all. So yeah, no, I'm I'm huge for bottom unity and especially with like other third parties. So the Green Party, like I want the LP to work with the Green Party a lot, like on ballot access stuff, on you know, debates and joint press releases, stuff like that. Like we can work so hard on pushing the things that we agree with. So like the Green Party and the Libertarian Party, we agree on foreign policy stuff. We agree on criminal justice reform. We agree on a lot of really important things. And I think that we should work with other third parties to help each other. It's mutually beneficial. And like, we can disagree on other things and that's totally cool. Um, You know, that's where we, you know, part ways. But I mean, if we can pool our resources together and pool our message and get our voice out there louder about, you know, foreign policy and, criminal justice and, you know, privacy issues with like the Patriot Act and stuff like that, that does nothing but benefit everybody. So I'm a huge proponent of bottom unity. And I'm actually working on getting a forum together for Spike and Angela Walker right now. So that might be coming very soon. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I've kind of come around on that too a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I used to be kind of, especially the ANCOMs, I used to be like, 
or the the end socks or whatever like no go away like i'm still like that with the with the tankies like i don't want i don't want matt k uh back in or something like that but the, <laughs> like the mutualists or something like i i would rather take any kind of anarchist over like some authoritarian of of either stripe right yeah definitely okay what else do we got on here oh what uh What's what's your favorite alcoholic drink? Tequila. Tequila? Yeah. Hands down tequila. I cannot do tequila anymore. Same. <laughs> you it's like tequila. water to me at this point. I don't know. Like I, I never did like it. Like I when I was younger and definitely of age, I was big into vodka. Um me too. But the last like five years or so I I just I really love tequila a lot. And then I don't know about Six months ago or so, I started drinking whiskey, and I'm kind of getting into whiskey. Hell yeah! The appeal. I like it. <laughs> John Sorry, yeah. whiskey likes Edmund. whiskey. What is that? A vodka person. <laughs> oh, I said sorry, whiskey Edmund. <laughs> whiskey Edmund. <laughs> yeah, no, I drink like half a bottle of that Maker's Mark at the national convention in Florida, and I was like, yeah, this stuff, this stuff is good. I'm, I'm a fan, so. Okay. Anytime tequila gets brought up, I have to ask people if they're comfortable drinking mezcal that has been filtered through a dead bird. So, what? Sorry, it's obligatory. Okay, you want to expand uh, on that no, a little I, bit? I I've never had it, and yeah. I don't know yeah. if I would ever be okay with that. Basically, you take like a quail, and it's like a it's a or like some kind of game bird, and they filter the mezcal through it, and then absorbs all the the fats and oils from the bird. And it's kind of like an oily mezcal. You don't have to. You don't have to drink the bird. You're just like, yeah, it sounds really bad. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't dress it up any better. <laughs> I've never heard of that, no. and I. I don't think I'm ever going to be uh, participating. <laughs> well, I okay. will drink all the pachuga for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hop or Denny's. Oh, Waffle House. See, I okay, fine. The luxury of being able to go go to a Waffle House. So, yeah, I don't have one within like 30, 35 minutes of me. It sucks, but I did find some really shitty diners here in Mansfield, and it's great. Like, I love shitty diner food. It's my favorite. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, it's always... if you vote for Waffle House. You're just taking votes away from IHOP or Denny's, and it's not acceptable. You're a spoiler. I want them both to close. <laughs> you know, Denny's is cool because, like, when I was living in Kansas City when I was younger, like, they would stay open 24 hours and you could smoke in there back when you could still smoke in restaurants. And now I feel really old because that just came out of my mouth. Um, but yeah, no, you could smoke in restaurants back when I was like a teenager and stuff. And yeah, we would go there like 2 a.m. and just, you know, eat a fuck ton of bacon. And it was great. Yep, I remember going chain smoking at a at a Perkins. Yep. Yep. A Perkins. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have no idea what that is. What? I grew up in the northeast, okay, so and now I'm in the southeast. It's basically just like a Denny's. It, pretty it's, much. It's much okay. difference between like Walgreens and CVS. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what else do we got on here? What are you usually doing when you're not busy being an internet libertarian? Gosh. Um, well, this past year I was homeschooling my two kids, um, so I was busy doing that. Um, a, a lot of my time is spent doing libertarian social media. So um, besides being a mom and I was home, they're in school now. Um, I kind of needed them to go back to school. 
but they're in, they're in a really nice school. I, I really like where they're at. Um, but other than that, like I, um, like I refinish furniture. So I do that. Um, I have a basement full of unfinished stuff and stuff I found for free. So I, um, I refinish a lot of furniture. It's something I really love to do. Um, I like doing like home repair and the house that we bought in New Jersey, like we were flipping that and I kind of fell in love with flipping houses. So that's, that's what I, that's what I would be doing if I was not an internet libertarian social media person flipping <laughs> houses and doing furniture. So have you been participating in Spike's bus tours at all? I have gone as much as I could. Um, so I'm actually going to Virginia Beach this week. I'll be there on Thursday. Um, going to go down there for the um, rallies and stuff that's going on down there. It would be really cool to get like some social media stuff for that. Um, I went to Phoenix and there's a few in Ohio that I went to. But yeah, no, I've, I've been doing a lot of that stuff. I, I went actually, I went down to Virginia before too for a, Black Lives Matter and um, 2A rally that they were having down there. Um, so I've, I've gone to probably eight or so of his events altogether. But, you know, with kids, it's hard to travel all the time. No, I get that. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else I have on this list. Do you have a favorite Mises Caucus podcaster? Um, You're allowed to say no. But... Back when I was in it and... Uh, I had a podcast. That was nice. <laughs> I wasn't hosting it at the time, so it's not like me bragging. Um, Benny Marshall was hosting the Think Liberty podcast. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know he's been saying uh, people want him to come back and podcast again. I was talking yeah. to him the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of people that I've seen have wanted him to come back and do either Think Liberty or his own podcast. He had his own podcast for a while. Yeah, I definitely want to have him on here sometime too. He's yeah, solid, solid guy. Okay, do we have anything else we want to get to, guys? I guess I got a Waffle House and a campaign um, question combined. Okay, so (laughs) of all the Waffle Houses you you got to visit, which one is your favorite, and why is it the one off the I-10 in Baseline in Guadalupe, Arizona? Uh, I, I don't know where that one, I don't think I went to that one, but, um, no, my favorite one from the campaign trail so far was, um, the one in Columbus. So we were at the, um, I think it was the Ohio state convention. Yeah, it was the convention there in Columbus, um, for Spike's thing. And he was, you know, speaking and doing some other things. Um, but there was a Waffle House right across the street from the hotel. So I went there probably eight times over the course of three days. So I was there quite a bit. Um, and then, you know, at night, everyone is very inebriated at these conventions. <laughs> so we went over there even more. And there was a couple Waffle House employees that yeah, the one of them hit me up in Messenger, like, what's up, though? So that's now like an inside joke on the campaign. <laughs> like, what's up, though? I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I have no interest in dating some random Waffle House employee from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so going back to politics for a second, um, <coughs> who would you say your biggest political influences are? Ooh, um, okay. So Hayek, for one, um, as far as like economics and philosophy and you know spontaneous order and stuff, I, I really resonate with Hayek and the way he explains things and kind of like gives you a framework to make your own conclusions. I really, really like Hayek. Um, 
politically like active today. I, sure. I mean, there's some things I really disagree with him on, but I do like Justin Amash and his willingness to work with other people across the aisle and to stay consistent um, on the things that I do appreciate about his positions. I really like um, the bill he had with Ayanna Presley, like for ending qualified immunity. That was mm -hmm. awesome. Um, that got that in the national spotlight. That's that's good. Like he's doing, he's making things happen. I like I like what he's doing there. Um, I used to be a big fan of Rand Paul, way back when. <laughs> Me too. Um, that did that not so much anymore. No. Um, and this is kind of unpopular, but I really like AOC. <laughs> like, there's some things I fundamentally disagree with her on. Like, no, I get. I get what you're saying. Absolutely not. Like no, screw that. But she's. Like she's always like on point when it comes to criminal justice reform, almost always on point. Um, and she's loud and she gets people to talk about things that they weren't previously talking about. And like right. a lot of her positions on things are, are solid. Even if she doesn't come to the same conclusion, like she's calling out the stuff that needs to be called out. And it's not like there's a bunch of libertarians in Congress to do it. So yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I would definitely take her over Biden or something like that. Like, obviously yeah. I have, a ton of issues, but right. Biden like, is just like, we're not going to have a perfect candidate up there. Like at least find one that can make change and reform on things that actually like really matter. And right. there might be some, you know, bad that, you know, doesn't necessarily outweigh the good, but I don't know, like we got to start making changes and we can't wait until we have a libertarian full of con or Congress full of libertarians. Like that's not going to happen for a long time. So. Right. Yeah, I can appreciate that she seems very genuine yeah. and actually what she says and is probably not a sociopath. Yeah, and like <laughs> her campaign was just amazing. Like I learned a lot from watching her campaign. Like, yeah, like I'm not a Democrat. I don't like socialism, like all that stuff. That's whatever. That doesn't matter. But you separate the actual campaign work and like what she did was amazing. Like she went out there and knocked like, thousands and thousands of doors herself she was pulling together town halls in like school gymnasiums and she got like everyday people fired up about politics when previously they did not care like what she did with her campaign was the most amazing thing and i learned a lot like i learned a lot about like networking and how you know how to get people um to get involved with politics when they just don't care most of the time like i, I learned a lot for like, you know, strategy wise and things like that. Dave Smith is going to be talking about this, yep, uh, talking about this now, care. like Spike Cohen's no. social media manager said AOC is amazing. This is the problem <laughs> with the Libertarian Party. Yeah, there's no nuance. Imagine that. Even though I specifically said I don't agree with our economic policies. I don't like socialism and I don't agree with any of that. It's cool. I'll, I'll take the hit. <laughs> um, do you have any? Uh... Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to change the subject. I was, a saying, little, sorry, so. I was saying an interesting point with her is that, you know, even though we all obviously agree with or disagree, sorry, disagree with the Green New Deal, that came, that went from like becoming a like a fringe policy that she was putting out to now there was like Joe Biden talking about it. So it's the like, Green New Deal came out in 2010 and only once AOC came out with it, now it's mainstream. Now people know what the hell a Green New Deal is. Because Howie Hawkins and the Green Party came up with the Green New Deal in 2010. That's, so that's been around forever. there with her messaging that is getting people to be responsive to that. She's authentic. And she, she utilizes social media in a way that, like, 
I don't like it's really cool to see like from you know being in social media marketing like it's I, I watch her stuff a lot it's kind of cool how she does things um but she she knows how to connect with people and she knows how to you know message to her base and get her base to do a lot of work for her too you know it's it's really cool yeah Okay, so before Jeremy, before you get to your next question, okay. I just wanted to I wanted to give a shout out to this John Lane guy in the comments. <laughs> He's been like freaking out at us this whole time. He's like, these guys are morons, and what what else has he said? Um, this podcast is shit. But he's he's been watching the whole time. <laughs> How fake can this woman be? That's cool. I mean, what else do you say? Fake ass chump. You are a trend chasing bum. That's all you ever will be. Oh. Okay. <laughs> what social media marketing is, but okay. Bum asked. He said, um, he said at one point he said, Yeah, eat dicks, bum. Um <laughs> what else he said? Fucking morons. Yeah, so hey John. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm a tramp now. Cool. He's a fan. He is a big fan. He just said I love you fucks. So that's that's nice of him. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that like in every uh, in every podcast graphic now. Like it'll be like an endorsement. I love you, fucks. Love you too, bud. <laughs> okay, Jeremy, you can get to your question now. I just couldn't just like, I couldn't uh, leave that alone. Just like Tom Woods said that we were uh, we seemed like classy people. <laughs> we are. All um, right. I am left. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, Matt Wright's Facebook went down. Um, the oh, really muddied waters. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, his Facebook down, went down just like mine. No explanation, completely gone, no warnings or anything. So we're trying to get him back. I've reached out on his behalf. So. John Lane just apologized. He said, sorry, I've been drinking, but let's be honest. So that's not really an apology, but let's be honest. Okay, yeah. He said, sorry, so I'm, I'm going to give him the it, little benefit of the doubt. <laughs> we accept your apology, John. We love you. Right. I don't. So, um, <laughs> do you have um, do you have any predictions for the for the next month here? Now that um, well, now that we've got the whole uh, Mr. Typhoid Tangerine. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, it's kind of hard to tell at this point. So, there's a lot of conflicting information coming out about his condition and whether this is really bad or if he's just in the hospital as a precautionary measure. Right. Um, I do not think the rest of the debates are going to go on. And if they do, it's going to be some weird hybrid version where it's like they're going to be doing it virtually over Zoom, which is very weird. Um, so that's a possibility. Uh, I know a lot of people are thinking that if Trump doesn't show up to the debates that Joe Jorgensen will get in. But I mean, let's be honest, the CPD is not going to let that happen. Let's not, let's not kid it's ourselves here. It's not, it's not going to happen. a Republican and Democrat. Yeah, there's yeah, gonna be like, oh no, well, Joe Jorgensen can come now. Like, no, <laughs> no, come on now. Um, but no, I I think it's gonna get really, really nasty, um, even more nasty than it is now because that's that's kind of the nature of politics now. It's not about honesty and discourse. It's not about talking about the issues. It's about punching left and punching right. And when that doesn't work, you punch harder, and it just pushes people further to the extremes. And it really sucks to see because a lot of, like the majority of the people that are in this country are not on the extremes, but that's all the rhetoric you see. And it gets people who right. like would normally be involved in the process and would normally 
care about these things to just completely cut out of politics altogether. They don't want anything to do with it because it's either you're a Nazi or you're a communist or you're a Marxist or you're a fascist Nazi. Like it doesn't matter. Like the, the <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And it's, yeah. it's really gross to see. Like I, I have to be involved in politics. It's my job. So, you know, I, I kind of get a lot of, a lot of shit and it just, it really sucks. It really affects your mental health. <laughs> I think that's one thing that, people probably don't talk about enough is how much politics affects your mental health because it's just, it wears you down. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's going to get really nasty over the next month. And I think after the election, um, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's going to get really violent, but I, I don't know. I, I can see it going that way. And it, I, I would be really sad to see that happen, but with the way things have been in the past six months, like, you know, you lock yeah, everybody down for eight months and you don't let them do anything. And you know, even masks have been politicized. Like what the, it's a piece of cloth on your face. Why is this a political issue? But yet it's just, everything is so extreme now that I do not think the election results are going to be taken well, no matter which way they go. What, what way it happens. Yeah. I think Trump's screwed, honestly. I, I feel like with this COVID thing even more, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be, it's gonna be weird. So we have Try to make uh, a typhoid tangerine happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, more questions from our biggest fan in the comments. Um, <laughs> he wanted to say, "Can we, and this is not this is like a question that's false, but can we address the fact that Joe supported BLM after they came out as a Marxist organization?" She has stated multiple times that she supports the movement, not the organization. The organization is a few people on a board, not the activists, not the majority of people out in the streets who just want cops to stop killing black people. They want to stop the disproportionate policing of communities of color. They want to stop the drug war and they want to stop disproportionate incarceration rates. They want people to care they want change they're not all marxists like that's the most ridiculous thing and i don't know why that's such a big talking point but because one person on a board is like oh yeah i'm a marxist or it was on the website nobody conflates the website of blm with the thousands upon thousands of people out in the streets that's not how it works they it's all go home and check the website before they protest people who go out there with a hashtag like black lives matter absolutely black lives matter it doesn't mean they're marxist and joe has come out several times and spike has come out several times and said that we do not support marxism we do not support marxist organization we support the people we support their concerns and we empathize with them and we have real solutions so fuck off Exactly. <laughs> Couldn't have. people know what decentralized movements no, are? No, like, because Antifa is an organization and they all get Soros checks and Black Lives Matter is the same way. It's ridiculous. I've been waiting on my Soros check. Yeah, dude. I'm I am like thousands at this point. We have a new comment in. Um, hello from Central Coast, California. We're bringing the three-party system or the 539 oh, party system yeah. to the 538-member electoral college in I 2020. Get a, I have an original comment in real time. Yeah. Well, he's Hi, saying hello. He, he Hi, put James. me on the ballot Everybody. the other day. I'm, I'm going to try to win. <laughs> Didn't he have um, Cop Samminger on there? Yeah. Was that yeah. Shot he that's, put on? That's my competition. Didn't he have like, fictional characters on there, too? 
I, you we, know, I read through like all of his stuff and I still have no idea what he's talking about. I thought he was a bot for the longest time. <laughs> like I really did. Like he would like all my comments when I were, whenever I was like making fun of him. <laughs> I don't, and I was like, this has to be a bot. Like this can't be a real person. And then he turns out he's a real person and he only likes my comments because I am a woman. Even when I'm making fun of him. So he likes them because. We actually, we had him on the podcast, uh, Many interesting things with Black so Panther Party, he said. But yeah, we had him on, and he uh, he did an interview with us from a Denny's. It was it was a good time. It was about no, two and a half hours. A really, really awesome dude. Like, I'm sure he's really cool. Like, I haven't met him. It's just online. Like, bro, read the room, maybe. He can, he told us about the time he got erotic messages from Cher. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just had to throw that out there because, <laughs> and he told us about uh, he wrongly. I'm just gonna say this is not true before anyone runs with it. But he told us <laughs> that Joe Bishop Henchman identifies as a woman, <laughs> <laughs> which is not true. But no, it's not. I've <laughs> met JBH. Great guy. Yeah, we had JBH on too. He is a great yeah. guy. But yeah, that was a that was a fun interview. But we're glad, James. We're glad you're watching. Oh, John Lane says that Spike paid local Antifa in its document. No, the fuck he didn't. He, uh, he he wrote me a check for like fifty bucks. I'm local Antifa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John is receipt or Antifa shut up. <laughs> it's documented though, so <laughs> we really can't argue with that. Got the documents. <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up? Oh, I just wanted to touch on something uh, Caitlin was talking about, like disaffected independents and like moderates and like people that are that are kind of just they're tired of the two extremes. And I think, yeah, that libertarians really have a chance to appeal to those people because those people already kind of have a bit of nuance and they've decided I don't like this extreme leftism. I don't like the extreme right. I I can kind of make choices for myself, and I think those people are prime for libertarian messaging. And I think those are definitely the people we should be kind of reaching out to. I think we have been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like you, disaffected voters are like an ever growing base because of the divide we're experiencing right now. And because of the rhetoric and the political discourse, like most people are just like, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. So it's just more and more people every day who are disaffected and they need I wouldn't say they need somebody because that's, you know, kind of like hero worship crap, but it, it would be optimal for somebody to come in and speak to the things that they care about. Like talk to them about, you know, the things that affect them every day that none of these other politicians are talking about. They only go with the buzzwords. We want to talk about real solutions. And I think that, you know, Spike and even Joe, like they're really good at doing that. They're, they're talking about things that people really care about and people really want to know how to fix it and they just you know they they're doing really good at it and that's that's where you get the people that's where you bring people back into politics and the political arena and get them involved with the libertarian party or at least the movement like if it's not the party like the movement become activists become whatever so it's right. it's definitely the most um you get the highest return on investment with that demographic in my opinion no, no offense to Joe, but just like Spike and his entire team have been so energizing for me. And that has really kind of pre-instilled my hope for the Libertarian Party. And I really want to see more of that. 
Yeah, no, me too. Like I, I was really disaffected before this campaign. And like, I really liked what Joe had going on. I really liked, you know, I, I met Joe. Like she's one of the sweetest people ever. Like I, I love her. And then, you know, getting on Spike's team after, you know, switching over, like the, it's very different. They're very different in the way they message. They're very different in the way they, they operate, but they're just really, really great people. And they like Spike, specifically like he knows how to talk to basically anybody about anything and he can he, he can make things make sense to them he doesn't talk over anyone's heads he relates to people and that's something that's really really important and it, it's it does it's not even pandering like if it was pandering it would be something he didn't mean or it'd be some meaningless virtue signal crap but he's actually talking about real solutions to people care that people care about so i i don't know i i really he is invigorating i'll, I'll put it that way he yeah. kind of renews your faith. <laughs> yeah, I got to see him last uh, last Friday in Minneapolis, and so that was uh, that was great to to get to see and meet him. Yeah, he definitely, definitely is a great speaker. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We endorsed we endorsed him yeah. like right when we found out he was running. Like I didn't I didn't know that he had a chance at the time, but I was like, yeah, I want to get behind him. <laughs> yeah, I remember when he announced. I was like, isn't that that? podcast guy that does the triple parentheses yeah like, i've been on his show off. a couple times and i was like and then yeah. like i heard him speak i'm like oh okay i see <laughs> yeah and i was i was actually a really big advocate of like if joe took the nomination i was like i really really want spike as the vp and i, I was kind of in the minority like everyone had their picks for joe and it, it might have been a little bit more complimentary but i just felt like that was the the dynamic that we needed. Like we needed right. someone who was completely opposite to really like divide and conquer, but still pull it all together. And I, I think it's a really good complimentary thing they have going. I agree. Yeah. Even though uh, John Lane just said that Spike is mental AIDS, whatever that means. Okay. I'm not really sure. That's, but I'm just gonna let that one go. So credit where credit's due. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, guys, anything else we want to touch on? No, I, th I think I think we're good. I'm good. Okay. Well, Caitlin, thank you for coming on with us today. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Um, well, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say go follow Spike on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit. All so right. It's uh, literally Spike Cohen for all of his usernames except Twitter, which is real Spike Cohen. So go there and follow Spike. Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on with us and thanks everybody for watching today. See you in two weeks. Okay. See you guys.